0: Welcome to the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, where we listen, learn, and love together. Our speaker today is Pastor Jonathan Pinato. Leisure time is free time. Leisure time is waiting for the weekend or living for the weekend. Uh, Leisure time is where work is only an extended interlude between our real lives, that is, on the weekend. Now, we have these different sayings in our culture about, about the weekend or about the work week. Uh, for example, there's this uh, acronym, TGIF, uh, which stands for thank God it's Friday or thank goodness it's Friday. And, and the concept being there is that when Friday comes, we can't wait for the work week to end. We can't wait for the weekend to start. And then on the other side of of the weekend, uh, when the weekend comes to an end, then we have all these sayings about Monday. And and if you would just uh, take a little time to Google memes uh, about Monday, I mean, there's all kinds of just hilarious memes out there about Monday and about how terrible of a day um, Monday is that we have to go back to work. And uh, you can even Google these memes, and there's even memes not only about Monday and Friday, but there's also memes about Tuesday. And there's one with a picture of a cat that has a really sour face on it. And it says, Tuesday is just Monday's ugly sister. And and so if we adopt this mindset, then Friday's out. Take Friday out as a productive work day. Take Monday out as a productive work day. Take Tuesday out. And then you're just left with Wednesday and Thursday. Again, leisure time is waiting, living for the weekend where work is only an extended interlude between our real lives leisure time can be considered a vacation that is literally a vacating leisure time has become despotic in our age enslaving us and exhausting us how many of you can 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 give witness at the fact that sometimes we're busier on the weekends we have more things to do on the weekends than than, than even on the week leisure time has become despotic in our age demanding from us more than it gives Leisure time can be unsatisfying. We return to the classroom, we return to the workplace weary and depressed because the time that we spent away wasn't sanctified time, rather it was stolen time. It was time where we escaped for a short-lived escapade. Leisure time is what Sabbath becomes when we no longer know how to sanctify time. Leisure is Sabbath bereft of the sacred. And so my friends, let us not turn Sabbath time into leisure time. For Sabbath is sanctified time and it adds richness and meaning and depth to all of time. Sabbath is like certain people that you, that you love to be in their company, right? People who, who bring light and they bring hope and positivity and, and, and energy into your life. They bring laughter and, and people whose company you look for and you come away filled, not depleted after spending time with them. Whereas there's other people, and I think we all know who those people are, people who are draining, emotionally draining People who are negative, who are critical, who are complaining. There's always some drama. It seems that these people have a little storm cloud that follows them wherever they go. And if you're not careful and, and they approach you, that, that storm cloud that's raining on them can start raining on you too, right? And when we see those people, we don't answer the phone. We try to avoid them at all possible cost. But Sabbath, remember, is not like that. Sabbath is sanctified time, and it adds richness and meaning and depth. To all of time. And so, again, my friends, let us not turn Sabbath time into leisure time. And so, changing gears here a bit now, let's come back to the main focus of today's presentation, which has to do with the concept of time in the Greek language and how our understanding of time can lend itself to sacredness or to secularity. Now, in the Greek concept of time, time has two faces, two natures, and we orient ourselves primarily to one or the other. One of these aspects of time has the possibility of sanctity and sacredness. The other aspect of time is secular and profane. And the two words that are used in the Greek language to describe these two aspects of time is the Greek word kairos, and the Greek word chronos. Now, chronos is familiar to us because of words such as chronology or chronicle or, or chronic. In the Greek mind, chronos is the time of the clock and the calendar. Chronos is measured passing time. Kronos time is time as a gauntlet, time as a forced march. The word Kronos derives itself from one of the Greek gods whose name was Kronos. For the Romans, he was known as Saturn, and we've named one of the planets in our solar system after this god, the god of time. In art, the god Kronos is depicted as a glutton. As a cannibal who gorged himself on others, Kronos is gaunt and ravenous. He is wild-eyed with hunger. He's always consuming, never consumed. And I just find it fascinating how that's how we depicted this God in our art to try to describe what time does to us. Kronos, my friends, is the God of this age. Kronos is the God of the driven. Kronos is the God of those who are running to and fro, as Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4 says. Kronos is the God of those who have no rest in Revelation 13. Kronos is the God of those who have no pause. Kronos is the God of those who are always having deadlines, that they're living in this 24-7 world of, of always being busy and having schedules and having appointments and going here here and going there. Whereas Sabbath is an affront to this God because Sabbath is a pause. If you remember, Sabbath is a pause. Sabbath is a rest. Kronos always betrays us. Kronos devours the beauty that it creates. A friend of ours was telling us about her father. Her father was a little bit uh, older in, in age and he was probably in his 70s, nearing his 80s. And and she was sharing with us about how one day her, her father told her that one day he stood in the mirror and he looked at the reflection in, in the mirror and he said, who is this old man staring back at me? You know, the, the idea is, is that we only grow old on the outside, but on the inside, we're still youthful. We're still that person that we were in our 20s and our 30s. Sure, with a little bit more maturity and with a little bit more experience, but in our mind, our mind stays young, but chronos does not stop, it continues. And so when we get to that age and we look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, Who is this old person staring back at me? Kronos leaves us like the man in Ecclesiastes where everything is meaningless and and there's only vanity and vexation of spirit and we're never satisfied and we're grasping after the wind. And no matter how much we accomplish, no matter how much we gain, no matter how much we earn, no matter how much we do, we are constantly seeking purpose and finding none, only emptiness. And it's at this moment of all moments, Where Kronos not only betrays us, but it betrays itself as well and then stirs in us a longing for something else, for something more. That, my friends, is Kronos time. However, the other word that uh, the Greeks used for time is the Greek word kairos. Kairos time is time as a gift. It is time as an opportunity, time as a season of life. And if we can orient ourselves toward this way of thinking and perceiving, uh, instead of thinking about time as passing time and and measure time and asking ourselves, well, what time is it? Oh, it's it's four o'clock already. Oh, it's five o'clock already. It's six o'clock already. Instead of thinking with this concept of chronos time, perhaps we can orient ourselves towards kairos time. In other words, thinking of life as seasons of life. Okay, I was in this season of life, now I'm in this other season of life. Kairos time is purposeful time. In Kairos time, you ask, not what time is it, but rather, what is this time for? Kairos in this way becomes the servant of holy purpose. Now, both these words, Kairos and Chronos, are used in the Bible. And it's not that Kronos time is necessarily bad. We need Kronos time. We need to know what what time it is, and, and we need to have schedules, and we need to be on time. But we also need Kairos time, and we need to orient our lives around Kairos time. Now, notice how the Bible speaks and uses the concept of Kairos time. And we're going to look at various passages in the Bible in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. The first passage is Mark chapter 1 and verse 15. This is where Jesus has just been baptized and he's about to begin his ministry. He's already gone through the 40 days of temptation in the wilderness and come out victorious. And as he begins his ministry, Jesus utters these words, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so the word that Mark uses here to say the time is fulfilled is the word kairos, in other words, the, the idea here that Jesus is saying is that we've entered into a new season, a season where the Messiah has come, and a season where the kingdom of God is at hand, a season that requires of us the purpose of this season is to repent and to believe in the gospel and the good news. It is this is the season now that has come to be fulfilled. And so then when I think about today and I think about how the prophecies of Scripture have been fulfilled and, and where we are in the scope of time, the Bible indicating that we are living at the end of time, that is the season of life that we find ourselves in, a season of the end. Then we start asking ourselves now, if, if when Jesus came the first time was a season of the coming of the Messiah, where are we now? In what specific season do we find ourselves for? And what is this end time season? season of life for. It is a season of waiting for Jesus to come. It is a season of patience and perseverance in our faith. So I heard someone say the other day that becoming a Christian is easy. Persevering in your Christianity is something else. We are in a season of waiting, in a season that requires patience, in a season that requires perseverance. We are in a season of expectation and of anticipation. We are in a season of preparation for Jesus to come again a second time. And the question for us is, will we be ready? Notice this other passage in Luke chapter 19 and verse 44, here Jesus uh, on the Mount of Olives, overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And Jesus tells the city of Jerusalem, For you did not recognize the time of your visitation. And again, the word that Luke uses here, to, to, and that's translated into English as time, is Kairos time again. In other words, Jesus is again saying, you didn't recognize what season of life you were in. Perhaps you were so busy counting Kronos time that you forgot about Kairos time. That God, I came in the flesh. That God came in the flesh, as John chapter one says, he came into his own, but his own received him not. It was the time, it was the season of God visiting his people but they didn't recognize it. And then in this third passage, Ephesians chapter five and verse 16, the apostle Paul says, redeeming the time. Again, the Greek word used here is kairos time and not chronos time. The apostle Paul says, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. And here's where the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to find redemption in Kairos time. Because remember, Kairos time has the possibility of sanctity and sacredness of meaning and purpose. And he says it because the days are evil, an allusion to Kronos. Time passes. Time goes in a hurry. Time devours. And so what we have to do then is find meaning uh, in Kairos time. And we find ourselves in Ecclesiastes chapter three, and we'll be reading verses one through eight. And the Bible here says, there is a time in verse one, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And so I've highlighted these two words, time and season, which word, which Greek word do you think is being used here? Uh, The first word, is chronos. When it says there is a time for everything, the word that Solomon uses there is chronos time. And then when it says, and there is a season for every activity under heaven, the word there is kairos time. And then when verse two begins and says there's a time to be born and a time to die, the word that it will be consistently used from here on out is not chronos time. Kronos is only used that very first time in verse one. But all the other times that it mentions season and time, the word that is used, the word that is translated is kairos time. And so the Bible tells us that there is a season to be born and a season to die. A kairos to be born and a kairos to die. There is a time to plant, a season to plant, and there is a season to uproot. And I think those of you who have experience in an agricultural setting, right, you understand that 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 tomato plant doesn't stay in the ground forever. Um, You have to, the, the corn crop doesn't stay in the ground forever. The corn stock, the corn plant, there is a time to plant it, and then there's a time to uproot it as well. A season to plant, a season to uproot. A kairos to plant, a kairos to uproot. There is a time to kill and there's a time to heal. Again, the word kairos. There's a time to tear down, and there's a time to build. Again, kairos. There is a time to weep, and a time to laugh. There is a time to mourn, and there's a time to dance. When I think about this particular verses here, I think about when when our son passed away, and and we entered into a new season of life. It was, it was a very difficult time. And we, we entered into a season of, of parenthood. He was our firstborn child and, and he was alive. And we were parents and we loved him. And then he died. And we entered into a season of death and a season of mourning and a season of crying. And, and as we entered into that season, I always wondered whether we would be able to laugh again. I wondered whether we were a- ever able, we would be ever able to have joy again. And the truth is, yes, because there is a season to laugh, there is a season to dance, there is a season for joy. But that was not the moment for that then. It was a season to mourn. It was a season to cry, and we couldn't rush that process. We couldn't rush that experience. Some people enter into seasons of mourning and they try to ignore it and they try to pretend like it didn't happen, and they try to get on with life as normal, but no. You have to be in that season. You have to abide in that season of life. And and it's only as you abide in that season of life that you can then move forward into another season of life that, that there will be a time to laugh again. There will be a time to have joy again. There will be a time to dance again. But how inappropriate would it have been for me to laugh and for me to dance and for me to have joy in a season of mourning and crying? And likewise, how inappropriate it would be to mourn and to cry in a season of of laughter and a season of dancing and a season of joy. Because everything has its season of life. There is a season of life to search and a time to give up. I Think about that, huh? There's a time to search, but then there's also a time to give up, knowing when to quit, knowing when to stop, knowing when to end. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to gain and there's a time to lose. And I think about this in terms of finances, right? There's seasons in our life where God has blessed us and there's abundance. And then there's seasons in our life where perhaps... It's it's a, it's a season of loss. I think about right now what the economy is doing and and what the market is doing and what our investments are doing and and, and our in our retirement and, and these kinds of things. Or sometimes there's an emergency. Sometimes there's a there's a disaster, um, and and it takes a hit to our bank account. And we have to pull money out of savings. But there's a season for every every aspect of our lives. I think about the seven years of plenty uh, in the experience of Joseph in the Old Testament, and then. There were seven years of of want and of famine because there's a season for everything in life. There's a kairos time. And if we can orient our lives around kairos thinking, there's a time to keep and there's a time to throw away, time to let go. There's a time to tear and a time to mend. There's a time to speak and there's a time to keep silent. There's a time to love, a season for love. And there's a season for hate, and there's a time for war, a season for war, and there's a season, a time, a kairos for peace. And and what seems to me so unbelievable then is that in verse 11, if you just jump down a few verses down to verse 11, it says, and God has made everything beautiful in his time or in its time. And, and, And the idea here is that, and again, the word that is used there for time is kairos, the idea there is the ability to find beauty in the season of life that God is calling us. Of finding the good, finding the purpose in every season of life. And this is an, also an echo to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where the Apostle Paul says that God works all things together for good to them who love him and to them who are called according to his purpose. And this has to be an intentional perspective of our mind finding good and finding purpose in every season of life and finding beauty in every season of life. And the challenge for us is that we live both in chronos time and kairos time simultaneously. But it's important that we do not allow ourselves to be consumed by chronos time. That is, by the rush and the hurry that is chronos time, or, or to be consumed with, with how chronos time is devouring the beauty and the energy that it has created. Sometimes I tend to be overconsumed with chronos time. And when it comes to my age, and I'm thinking about how, you know, what happened to the days of my youth. And I know some of you are going to say, ah, oh, Pastor, get over it, right? You're still a spring chicken. But I think about you know the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm almost 40, I'm pushing 40, I'm balding, my hair is falling out. I, what, what happened to that youth? Who is that old man staring back at me in the mirror? I mean, I, I still remember myself in the vigor of youth when, when you're in your 20s and, and, and everything is just going wonderful and you have energy and you have strength and, and, and confidence in and these kinds of things. But then I have to remind myself, don't allow yourself to be consumed by chronos time. But rather think of your life not as a forced march, but think of your life as seasons. There was a season of childhood, and then there was a season of adolescence. And then I moved into a season of being a young adult, and then there was a season of college life, and there was a season of being single, and then I entered into a season of being married, and then I entered into a season of working as a pastor, and then working at this church, and in the future there will be other seasons, other churches where I'll work at, and there will be other cities where I'll live in, and if you can think about every season of life that you move into, and then we moved into the season of being a father, and of parenting, and, and then you think about, well, how long will this season of parenting last, and, and of caring and really nurturing for our children, because it is only so much, then they grow, and then they move on, and then some of you have actually entered into other seasons of life, the empty nest season of life, where your children have moved on, and now you're trying to find meaning and purpose with an empty home, and, and some of you are even in the season of life where you no longer are working, but you've entered into a season of retirement, and again, trying to find purpose and meaning in retirement and, and where your routines have now changed. And, and we have seasons of health and then we have seasons in life of illness. We have seasons in our life of youthful strength and then we have seasons of, of life where we are aged and we are tired. And there's seasons of life of death and bereavement. And right now the entire world has been ushered into a particular season of life that is a season of pandemic which is new to us. None of us have ever experienced, I don't think that any of us alive have experienced a type of pandemic like this. But yet seasons of pandemic, seasons of famine, seasons of drought have existed all throughout history. And we have now been pushed into the season of life, ushered into the season of life. And we have to ask ourselves the years 2020, God, what is, what, where is a meaning in this pandemic and how can we find our purpose in the midst of this pandemic? Kairos time asks this year, this day, this hour, this moment. Each is ripe for something. To play, to work, to sleep, to love, to worship, to listen, to learn, to grow, to build, to help, to save, to let go, and and, and for action and for acting. When we orientate our lives within Kairos thinking... Each moment unfolds transcendence. That is, each moment unfolds something that is beyond itself, something beyond the normal, the everyday, the physical level. Each moment unfolds something greater and beyond itself. And when we come back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11, not only does he say he has made all things beautiful in his time, in its time, in its season, in its kairos, But then he also says, and he has placed eternity into our hearts. And here is now a third concept of time that is being introduced. We talked about Kronos time. We talked about Kairos time. And here is a third aspect of time that is eternity. In the Greek, it's the word aeon, where we get the word eon from. And the Bible is telling us that he has placed eternity in our hearts. In other words, another measure of time. That is a a measure of time without end that God has placed eternity in our hearts. In other words, he has placed the longing for something more something beyond ourselves, something that is transcendent, something that is beyond the here and the now, and that is also another one of our challenges because oftentimes we only think about the present, we're consumed with the present. We are prisoners of the moment, oblivious to what happened yesterday, clueless of what will come tomorrow. But we have to learn to live to begin to orientate our lives beyond the present and into seasons, into Kairos time? What has taken place before? How has God been working in my life in the past? What plans does God have for us in the future? And so you may be wondering, what does all this have to do with the Sabbath? Well, Sabbath becomes a day where we learn to live in eternity because Sabbath becomes a pause from Kronos time. During Sabbath time, we learned how to sanctify time. That is how to find meaning and purpose in time. How to stop the rush of the rat race. Sabbath is a day when present time, that is Kronos and Kairos, where they come together and they meet and they touch eternity. Sabbath is an opportunity to train ourselves to pay attention to how God is afoot in the mystery of each moment. And when we do so, an odd thing can happen. Purpose, even unsought, can take shape out of the smallest, simplest things in life. Throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, we find this concept where where time becomes a gift of God, where the gift of God is to experience the sacred amidst the commonplace. And and, and you'll see this um, spelled out with this particular formula where Solomon will says, I have seen that there is nothing better than, and then he'll enter into what is that joy, what is that gift that God has given us. He says, I have learned that there's nothing better than for us to be happy, than for us to do good all the days of our life. There's nothing better under the sun than for us to enjoy our family and enjoy the wife of your youth, to enjoy your children, to enjoy the work of your hands, to be able to taste heaven in our daily bread. And this is why every time before we sit down at a meal, we say grace. That is, that every meal becomes a preview of the marriage supper of the Lamb. For this is the gift of God, this daily bread that God is providing to us. To be able to to taste a new heaven and a new earth in a mouthful of food, to be able to find joy in the ache of our muscles, to be able to find meaning in the sweat of our brows, to be able to find purpose in the futility and in the thorns and in the trials of life. This is what God is calling us to enter into Kairos thinking. And if we go back to last week's presentation, this also is what we call a Sabbath heart. It is a way of thinking. And and you'll find this expression also found in Luke chapter 2 and verse 19, where, where it says Mary, the mother of Jesus, and it says, Mary, she treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. In other words, Mary had developed this concept of being able to find the gift of God, the sacred in the midst of the commonplace, to be able to live not in chronos time solely, but to orientate her life around kairos time and the seasons of life that God is calling us into. And as we enter into Sabbath and we pause from chronos time, they meet in eternity. And so my friends, let us not turn Sabbath time into leisure time. And let's take some time, Kronos, to ask ourselves, what time, Kairos, are we living in? What season is it right now? And then like Mary, can we ponder and treasure these things in our heart? Let's ask God how he's at work in this season. Let's ask God to show us how to be able to experience the sacred amidst the commonplace. Let's ask God, what is this time for that you've given to me? What is the purpose of this season? How can I find meaning? And how can we find sanctity and sacredness in this season of life? This podcast is brought to you by the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. Connect with us on www.jaxsda.org or on Facebook and YouTube. We look forward to sharing more inspiring messages with you.